Magazine's The Final Word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider. Welcome to the award-winning Final Word, the show that invites you into the conversation. And let's get started by introducing you to, to the three panelists for tonight. Please welcome the afternoon host at 105.9 The X, Mark Madden. Albie, I don't know if Tom Brady went splat today, but it could be the start of something we'd all like to see. And from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, welcome back, Chris Carter. Well, everyone always likes to see the Browns go splat, and they did it again. Surprise. Yeah, the NFL season's underway. From 93.7 <laughs> The Fan, Doran Dickerson. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals sure bangled their way out of winning today. Uh, missing a field goal at the end of the game. Could have pushed in the overtime. Cincinnati Bengals will bangle every single week. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight. We're looking for five words opening weekend in the NFL. How concerning is the Steelers offensive line going into the season? What's the impact on and off the field of the big contract that Cam Hayward got last week? After watching today, does the NFL even need to have a preseason? But first, the big topic. What are your 2020 Steelers predictions? Mark starts us off. Well, Albie, the over-under in Vegas is nine and a half victories. And if I could, I would say they would go nine and a half and uh, what would it be, six and a half? Because I think that's right on the money. I fluctuate between nine wins and ten wins. There's a lot of fanboy optimism in town, and I understand that. It's the Steelers, but we're ignoring they ain't made the playoffs the last two years. Ben ain't thrown a pass in anger uh, dating back to week two of last season. Until he does it, we don't know that he can. I'm worried about the offensive line. I'm worried about the running game. I'm worried about the defense's ability to stop the run. And the defense ain't going to get 38 takeaways again. Even if the ball bounces semi-good, they might only get 20 or 25. Now, that's all the bad. There's a lot of good, and that defense is the best in the NFL, but I think it all adds up to, let's say, 10 and 6. All right, there you have it, Chris. I have them around 11 and 5, simply because when you look at last year, they went 8 and 6 after Ben Roethlisberger was injured and lost for the season. Even if Ben Roethlisberger's at half of, half of what, he, what he's been, that's still going to be more than what Devin Hodges and Mason Rudolph brought. I look at this as a chance for the defense to reassert themselves. Running, the running game, to me, I think might be a strength as far as defensive-wise. They were the third best as far as allowing yards per carry, and they, were, they, they allowed the, the fewest rushing touchdowns last year, despite facing the fifth most rushes. I like a lot of the things that they're doing on defense. The question is offense. Can Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball? We've seen clips of him doing in camp, but like everyone else, we need to see it live. Marks makes a great point. 11-5 is my barometer. I think that they're going to they're gonna stand a good chance to push some teams. And don't forget, they do have the second weakest schedule coming into this season. They face a lot of young quarterbacks, and I think that's where their defense gets an advantage. All right, predictions. Doran. I have him at 11-5, too, so I'm going to echo off of Chris. Uh, I think Ben is going to come back this year. He's going to be stronger. He's going to have one of a, a, a top three of his career year this year. I think he has a lot of weapons. I think Deontay Johnson is going to emerge as a number one wide receiver. He's going to prove a lot of people that he can be that dynamic guy on the outside. We're going to see Juju be a number two solid receiver. Uh, inside, we'll have Eric Ebron, who's going to revamp his career and take care of the middle of the field, be that blanket for Ben Roethlisberger. I like the Steelers. I like 11 and 5. And we saw today the division. Uh, you look at Baltimore. Yeah, they took care of business against a, 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 a terrible Cleveland Browns team, a terrible Baker Mayfield. And then we saw the Bengals, like we said earlier. Uh, Joe Burrow, I don't think those guys can hack it. So the Steelers are going to be in control 11 and 5 and going deep in the playoffs, in my opinion. All right. A reminder keep the comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. 
Give us five words on opening weekend in the NFL. To Facebook, Dennis says, no crowds, no home advantage. Baker Mayfield, officially a quarterback bust and ready for Ben to shine from Twitter. Now, Mark, Chris, and Doran, five words, opening weekend in the NFL. Mark, start us off. The Cleveland Browns never disappoint. And my PS is, that's because they always disappoint. <laughs> I said when Baker Mayfield got picked first overall, it's one of the worst first overall picks in NFL history. I tagged him Johnny Manziel Jr. then. Correct. He's not quite as good as Johnny Manziel yet. He's got some work to do. He's gutless and he's terrible. And Odell Beckham Jr., he looks like a number two receiver in more ways than one. He dropped so many today, I lost count. All right, Chris, five words. <laughs> that was a great number two joke. Um, all right, Russell Wilson is still elite. I loved watching him dissect the Falcons today because I've always respected Russell Wilson's game, the way he carries himself as a professional. You saw him just, just throw all around. I think he had four touchdowns on the day. He was lighting up the Falcons, outperformed Matt Ryan, who has Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, two receivers that I think might be better than DK Metcalf. But either way, Russell Wilson is back, and the Niners lost uh, earlier today. So now you got to look at the Seahawks and the Niners maybe as the guys that are at least going to early on push on for that NFC West title. Don't, don't lose sight of Russell Wilson. He might do some magic in the NFC West. All right, Doran, five words. Too good to be true down in Tampa Bay. Uh, in the offseason, Tom, hey, hey, listen, it's not greener on the other side always. And Tom got a lot of weapons down in Tampa Bay, but he looked old today. Gronk looked slow. The team looked like they had camp legs. Maybe that team is too good to be true. Even if you have a lot of weapons, even if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, sometimes it doesn't mesh together. Sometimes it doesn't go together. And they showed that today going against the, uh, the Saints and Drew Brees. So too good to be true down in Tampa Bay. All right. Opening weekend. Almost complete. Of course, the Steelers play tomorrow night. When we come back, how concerning is the offensive line for the Steelers going into the season? Brian on Facebook, Munchak's departure will still be felt on the team. Too many question marks for me. Back with more of the final word right after this. This is the final word. And welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Tonight with Mark Madden, Chris Carter, and Doran Dickerson. And topic two, we're talking about the Steelers' offensive line. How concerning is the line going into the season? Doran, you're first on this one. Well, I like the offensive line. I'm okay with Filer moving to the inside, giving Ben some protection in the inside. Yeah, tomorrow night we're probably going to see either Kevin Dotson or Stefan Wisniewski in place for David DeCastro, but I'm fine with the interior. The only place that I have a question mark is Zach Banner, uh, Mark's buddy. So uh, I don't know if he can be a stellar offensive tackle. Yeah, he likes to talk a lot, but he's got to show up. He's going to show up tomorrow night, tomorrow night with the lights on and show that he can be that, uh, that integral part to the offensive line to complete a decent offensive line this year all right back to Twitter it's week one everyone has some lingering issue I'd be more concerned in December all right Chris you're next 
Well, I look at the offensive line and how the over the years, or the last decade really, we became to know them and, and favor them because they had anchor players. Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, and for a time, Marcus Gilbert was one of those three. But Gilbert's long gone. DeCastro's hurt right now. Pouncey isn't the best that he's been, but he's, st he's still a very good center. There's a lot of question marks. I think Matt Fowler's going to be better than people expect because he's played really well at left guard against Aaron Donald last year. Villanueva is said to be struggling in camp right now with the way, with the way that he looks. They're saying that you know maybe a core four banner would have pushed him for that starting position um, if a core four hadn't, hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, banner... You know, I like the th things that I saw of him in pr of his improvement last year. I haven't seen him in camp, so I can't say where he's been. But there's a lot more question marks on the offensive line this year, and that means you have to still wait to see what's going to happen there. And with Ben Roethlisberger at 38 years old coming off of surgery, you have to wonder how good they can be. I'm not going to mark them as a negative just yet, but they are one of the biggest question marks I have for Monday night. Thanks, Chris. Mark? That offensive line will not be as good as it needs to be until it is from left to right. Villanueva, Wisniewski, Ponce, DeCastro, and Filer. This playing switcheroo and making Wisniewski the B.J. Finney guy who's good enough to play but never plays, and he will play Monday because DeCastro's out, that's just not what they should be doing. That's not their best offensive line. Uh, and DeCastro's barely practiced. They say he's fine. I don't think he is. I bet he goes on IR. That line is crumbling in front of our very eyes. It's going to be a weakness all year long. All right. Cam Hayward is about one week into his new contract. $16.4 million average over four years. Richest contract in NFL history for a defensive player over 30. What's the impact on and off the field of that new deal uh, that the Steelers gave Hayward. Chris, your thoughts? A lot of great defenses are built up the middle, and Cam Hayward is that guy that gives them a stud right in the middle of their defense. And you think of the guys behind him, Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick, that's a lot of strength to them. It was important to be able to keep this guy. And then off the field, this is the guy who carried the torch. When he was drafted in 2011, that was the last time this Steelers defense was ranked first overall in, in, in the NFL. He carried the torch watching the Troy Polamalu's, the James Harrison's, the James Ferriers all get siphoned off over the bad years where they needed Mike Mitchell and Artie Burns to start for the team. And now he's brought them into this new, this new phase with T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, and he's still the, main, the mainstay. That's the thing is that he's been the captain and the soul of this defense. That's what brings the most importance here. All right, back to Twitter. Irrelevant. They had to keep Cam. Back to Doran now. Well, when you think of the Steelers back, dating back to the 70s, you think of toughness, you think of leadership, you think of, of doing things the right way, and that is Cam Hayward. Cam, Cam Hayward embodies everything a Steelers player should be on and off the field, leadership on the field. He makes guys around him better. He makes T.J. Watt better, Bud Dupree better. He even makes the offensive players better. That's a guy you need to keep in the locker room. I'm glad to see him stay. I'm glad to see him get paid. He is a veteran. He's the ultimate professional athlete and a guy that should be a, that is a role model to kids and people in the community. I'm very glad to see a guy like Cam Hayward stay in the city of Pittsburgh because he embodies what Pittsburgh and what the Steelers are. Mark, uh, the impact on and off the field with that new deal. Cam Hayward is what I call a real stealer. He's good enough to get on the field in the 70s, and he's the kind of guy who would have fit in in that locker room in the 70s. He's an irreplaceable leader, especially within the context of what Twitter tells us every day is a very immature locker room. Uh, Cam's 31, but Joe Green made All-Pro when he was 33, so I have high hopes for Cam the next two years anyway, and really that's the Steelers' window to win with Ben Roethlisberger. You know what else it means, Albie? 
Yes. It means that Juju Smith-Schuster can pack up his underwear and his cereal and his two fumbles that knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs in each of the last two years and hit the bricks. They can't afford them, and that's good. Chase Claypool's not here to compete for your job, young man. He done already took it, and you ain't figured it out. All right, on to our next topic, and back to the NFL and back to Mark. After watching today, does the NFL need to have a preseason at all? Why or why not? Uh, yes, they do, Albie, because the owners want to charge uh, regular season prices for exhibition games at a time when they don't have to pay the players. So they do need exhibition games, especially after a year of so much lost revenue this year. In terms of the product on the field, I don't think they do. I saw a lot of sloppy football today, but I think we see a lot of sloppy football every week one in the regular season. I don't think it was any more so today. So I think the compromise is going to be two exhibition games once the pandemic blows over, which it won't. I'll be dead before it does. All right, Joe on Facebook says, Maybe two games just for rookies and undrafted players to play, but the vets don't need it. Chris, what's your take on this? Yeah, I'm on the two-game side here because I do think there's a value as far as giving the guys who were who are the sixth and seventh round draft picks and undrafted. They need time to be able to show, hey, I I deserve to be to be in this league. And it, and it's unfair to to guys that are that are drafted that low because they played at smaller colleges or didn't get the same advantages to be on national television, so they didn't get the higher draft picks. I think that that would allow teams to better evaluate those depth pieces. So yeah, two preseason games is great, but as we see the NFL can survive without it. I just don't know if they want to. Like Mark said, there's money on the table here, and the NFL never walks away from money. Doran, is a preseason needed? I'm going to stay on the two-game uh, preseason train like everybody else. Uh, I was a guy that needed a preseason every single year. I was a guy that made teams off of preseason games, off of the third preseason game, the fourth preseason game, playing special teams, offense, every single position. I needed that game to make teams, and a lot of guys are on the streets right now because they don't have the film from the preseason to get signed by other teams. So I'd say two games, and I agree with Joe, who wrote on Twitter, uh, leave the veterans out of it. They don't have to play, but play the backups, play the guys that need those games and need to compete to get the film to get signed by other teams. So two preseason games is good with me. All right, when we come back around the horn on any topic, the final word is next. Welcome back. It's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a chance, any topic, and Mark, you're first. Tonight's a good night for me to say repeatedly that I told you so. I told you so about Baker Mayfield. He's a bum. I told you so years ago about Antonio Bryan. You can't win with that guy, and he'll never play another game in the league again. And I also told you so about Le'Veon Bell. Six carries, 14 yards today, and that yellow coward slinked out of the game because he dreamed up a hamstring injury because he stinks and the Jets stink. Told you, told you, told you. Doran, final word. Uh, live in the moment. Uh, this is uh, unprecedented times with everything going on in the world. 
Uh, we saw MLB, we saw uh, NHL, NBA, NFL, college football, all almost in one day. So live in the moment. We don't know if tomorrow's going to be promised for sports. Uh, so let's suck it all in. Let's watch and let's, you know, be happy that there is some type of sports on right now, even if there isn't fans. So live in the moment and tomorrow's not promised. All right, Chris, final word. When Pitt beat Austin P 55 to nothing, a lot of people were saying, so what? It's Austin P. And you're right. It does not prove that they're world beaters. They belong, you know, in any in any top class of the NCAA. But it does say this, and Pitt fans can't hold on to this. They've been waiting for Narduzzi to have a win like this for years. This is his sixth season. He's he's now 18-1 against FCS teams, and he's never beaten one like, like this. I think that's the statement of, of this past weekend. You never saw a team play as clean like this at, at Pitt. And again, this was an, a weird season to have. You didn't see all the penalties flying over the place. Kenny Pickett looked composed as a quarterback. The defense wasn't, give, wasn't giving up. To, they gave up one big play the entire game and rebounded immediately. That shows a well-coached team, at least for this year, and maybe some hope that they'll be able to put some respectability into the season. They've been waiting for Narduzzi to cover, Chris, is what you're saying. <laughs> Our final word now from social media. On Twitter, is the baseball season over yet? I haven't been paying attention. Thanks Oof. for that. We have a full fall schedule on air, online, and on the WPXI Now app. Sunday nights on Channel 11, the Black and Gold Zone, plus, of course, the final word. Tuesday at 3.30, the Mike Tomlin News Conference wrap-up show on PCNC. Wednesday nights at 7.30, halftime adjustments on the WPXI Now app. Wednesday nights at 8. It's the Fantasy Football Insider on WPXI Now. Friday nights, Skylights on Channel 11. And Saturday nights at 7.30, the 15th season of the Jerome Bettis Show on Channel 11. Mark it all down if you're keeping score at home. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider. For Mark, Chris, and Doran, thanks for staying up late with us. See you next time. <laughs>